My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach, and I'm your host. Unless you've been away from work and have been unplugged from society, you've probably heard about the critical vulnerability in that popular Java logging tool, Log4j. A remote code execution vulnerability in the Java logger was since discovered late last week, and it has consumed the tech news cycle in the, in the lives of IT pros everywhere. The list of impacted products continues to grow as vendors rush to patch software and push it out to their customers. Now, experts are calling this one of the worst software vulnerabilities ever, as hackers attempt to leverage this vulnerability in astounding numbers. To talk about this is Ollie Whitehouse, Chief Technology Officer at IT Security Consultancy, NCC Group. Ollie and I talk about what makes this so dangerous and what is expected to be a problem for many months ahead. Before we get to Ollie, here's a quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you consume podcasts to hear regular interviews with tech experts like Ollie can help you make the right decisions for your organization and protect it. And now, here's Ollie. So can you just explain to our audience of, of IT professionals uh, Log4j and how it's being exploited? Yeah, so at the moment we're seeing a variety of different actors exploiting Log4j. Um, so they, the spectrum spans from security researchers trying to understand who is susceptible through to a kind of a rump in the middle who are organized crime looking to deploy both cryptocurrency miners as well as ransomware. And then the very, very sharp end, which we've seen the emergence of certain nation states um, leveraging it to exploit uh, targets of interest. So we're seeing it kind of kind of elevate in in severity once once these groups kind of get wrapped their heads around it and, and figure out you know their you know what what makes sense for them. Indeed, you know, and I think we're seeing it's a very fluid situation. And so, for example, even overnight, we saw the emergence of a number of threat actors exploiting it in uh, a way that we actually haven't seen before. And we would expect that the situation to quickly mature over the coming days and weeks. In in what ways? Um, so I think, you know, as the threat actors are, are able to harness the capability that the vulnerability provides, we would expect a wider set of intrusions for a variety of different purposes. And so I think, you know, what you would recognize is, you know, the crypto miners are always the most opportunistic. But I think, you know, we can see and expect to see more ransomware explicitly leveraging this in their terms of initial access campaigns. But I think also, again, certain countries like China really kind of bring to bear the full court press of their capability leveraging this, uh, we will expect a wider set of intrusions. What makes this particular vulnerability uh, so dangerous? I think I saw I saw someone in Infosec tweet that, um, you know, the best way to explain it to non, non-tech folks is that imagine um, every car has this one part and that one part um, is breaking all the cars and needs to be replaced. Is that is that... That's an, ex- 
that's an exquisite way because I think you know <laughs> historically we talk about vulnerabilities in a particular piece of software. We we rarely talk about uh, vulnerabilities in pervasive components used oh. by thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of developers. And so by virtue of that's a very pernicious vulnerability because it literally is everywhere and it goes so far back in time. And so the full um, attack surface or the full impact or potential impact is not fully known. And that picture will again only become clear over the coming weeks and months. Right. Um, so the, the list of vendors that, that I've seen float around, I know SZA uh, has, has a list up now. Um, I want to say the um, the Dutch counterparts this is a, have, have another uh, huge list. Um, so where, as an IT pro, where the hell do you, do you start uh, with you know, patching and mitigating this? Well, I, I think that's a great question. So it, obviously it's, you know, being able to identify what's known vulnerable today in your estate, and that's very much leveraging those vendor advisories. I think also, you know, there has been, there has been tooling released, which will allow... Um, IT professionals to scan effectively for the, the presence of the vulnerable component. So even if they don't know explicitly that software from vendor X is vulnerable, they will identify both custom and come off the shelf software that is susceptible to the flaw. And then they can obviously work then with the internal development teams, third party suppliers, or, or traditional COTS vendors to then resolve and mitigate. But unfortunately, it's the old adage, you've got to know what you've got, you've then got to assess its vulnerability and then come up with a, a mitigation and patch plan. Um, how so? How has uh, the global tech community and you know IT vendors responded? You know, has it has it been um, you know urgent enough? Uh, uh, based on the weekend's activity, and okay. uh, I, I think you know, I think it's been it's been an amazing. You know, it felt very much like it has felt very much like a team sport. I think we've had central government step step up to the plate. I think we've had the private sector collaborate, share information freely as to understanding actually what the vulnerability is, its impact, and then more importantly, how to mitigate and resolve. And I, have th I think we have seen probably one of the most res uh, robust responses from software vendors and cloud providers and everyone else that's been effective than we ever have done so quickly. Because again, don't forget, Wednesday last week, and we're, you know, we're only about a week away and we've seen tremendous activity and, and, and communications on this topic. Um, so let's talk about, so there, there were two, I think there were two separate vulnerabilities in Log4j. One was patched almost immediately and the other I think was patched actually last night that, mm -hmm. that I think um, better addresses the issue. I think it disables JNDI by, by default. Correct me if, if I'm wrong here. Um, you're, no, you're, correct. You're the cyber no, correct. You know, unfortunately, the first patch was incomplete, and then it took kind of more uh, inquiring minds, you may want to think adversarial minds, to look at the original patch and find out that there were ways to subvert it. I think, you know, we had the first indications that the first patch may have not been complete uh, late Sunday, early Monday, when one of the vendors said, no matter if you even deployed the latest version, our use case, use of it means you're still susceptible. And so you're right. So then um, late yesterday, uh, a further patch was released and, and given an additional CVE, which unfortunately has put huge burdens on IT professionals that were quick off the mark, did all their patching, and are now having, going to have to go around, the, uh, go around again on that. Um, so while you figure out, you know, uh, where this is deployed in your environment um, in, from vendors, what, else, what are some simple mitigations uh, that you can, you can work on you know, while you figure this out? 
Yeah, so well, I think, uh, I think there's a couple of things organisations can do. So firstly, obviously minimise what's exposed to the internet, logically speaking. I think the other thing that the organisations need to make sure is ensure that they've got robust logging and that, that those logs are being aggregated essentially and someone is indeed looking for um, attempted and successful exploitation because I will kind of convey to you and your and your listeners that you know overnight we did see a number of successful intrusions into our customers against particular software and that was only caught by uh, having good telemetry and, and observations of, of the environments so they had to be open to the internet there was no way to avoid it and so unfortunately at this point there's playing the uh, proverbial game of whack-a-mole against yeah. the intrusions as they can having a robust response to it are there are there any uh, uh, um impacted software where where IT should absolutely start looking at first to fix this? Well, uh, it will be the things which are exposed to the internet which process untrusted data, which is a very complex way of saying pretty much anything that runs Java, right? Right. So web applications, uh, anything which you're using to support any line of business applications, but they are internet-facing, you have to consider, but uh, here, let's give some context. It is possible to construct a payload effectively in an email address. And so that can be emailed in to organizations and quite deeply as such. Mm. And so, you know, people will naturally think to the perimeter, but I think, you know, IT professionals need to think about those systems that may be deep inside their firms where there are data flows to them from the outside, but they're not directly exposed because actually they are as susceptible. So again, mitigations there that they may wish to deploy is ensuring those hosts can't communicate directly out to the internet to stop the payloads actually being able to detonate and work. The second is, you know, NCC Group has released a hot patch. So even if you can't upgrade today, there are hot patches which can be done to running environments to uh, neuter uh, the vulnerability specifically. Right. Um, so how long do you think that we will be talking about this and working on, um, on mitigating this? Um, I've seen that you know, some not so, not so optimistic uh, views are, are being uh, uh, released out there. Well, I'm a half full type of human being, but you know, let, so what are the facts? So CESA have uh, kindly set a deadline for federal agencies of Christmas Eve. Um, because I think they want everyone to have a have a Christmas. Well, I, th- I yeah. think you know, realistically, the uh, full implications and ramifications we'll be talking about for yeah, optimistically months, but probably years. There will be some system which was not identified, or set of systems that are latterly found and exploited, which have drastic ramifications. And people will ask the inevitable, why, why, why did we not address that on the fifteenth of December in twenty twenty one when we knew about it? Right. Um, so this, this, uh, as as a non-tech guy, I'm a, I'm a journalist, so um, you know a lot of this is outside my my expertise. Obviously, um, it seems overwhelming, um, and it seems like um, so. How do you know for from a management management strategy? How do how what's the best way to, to tackle this? Uh, it, it's how you eat the proverbial elephant, yeah, in chunks and with a plan. And, and so I think you're right. You know, if you if you look at the scale of the challenge, you dismiss it as impossible, but nothing is effectively impossible. 
So um, it, it goes down to, it's a very staid playbook instant response. So if people are relying on heroics to get this done, they mm. generally collapse in a heap after about eight days. Okay. So operational teams need to treat this as a marathon and be prepared to diligently identify assets, assess vulnerability, come up with patch plan, implement patch plan, whilst in parallel deploying sensible mitigations to stop a kind of immediate exploitation, and then just have a work plan. And organizations are just going to have to recognize that this is a level of technical debt, which provides a material exposure to their firms, which needs paying back. And then it will be a risk decision as to with what pace, what cadence, what level of investment, uh, should be brought to bear on the problem to close it down in days, weeks, months, or uh, as we said, years. And and all of this will be very subjective to the organisations and their risk appetite, level of maturity, you know, uh, and all of the other kind of considerations. It's also dependent on 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 vendors uh, releasing patches in a timely manner. Um, oh. I, I think I think most of them probably have, uh, but I think I've seen just uh, earlier this morning. I saw a few that were still working on patches for certain products. But, and I think we have to accept that there will be certain vendors who consider certain products end of life, yeah. which other companies are using still in their core business operations. And, and that, that that's where the real um, friction, I think, for a better description, is going to emanate from. Because we all, we're all friends here. Companies don't upgrade to the latest. They sweat the asset. We all know that. We've all worked in IT. We've always been on the end of the underinvestment mm. stick. And so, you know, if people are running the latest, great, they're going to get vendor support. But there are going to be some vendors that don't exist, some don't support certain product lines. You know, Oracle share price has gone up. And why is that? Well, that's because companies, they, their investors are betting on the fact that people are going to have to go and upgrade a load of stuff which they've not paid Oracle for for years. And by virtue of that, Oracle's uh, revenues are going to increase. All right. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I hadn't thought of that before. Um... Ollie, great. Uh, anything else you think uh, you know your your regular IT pro needs to know about this before they they um, you know really get down into the weeds if they aren't already? Well, I think you know the best thing they can do to help themselves is educate their management because you know as we all know, cyber is not just a technology problem. We are the manifestation of it. We are the doers. We are the dozers of Fraggle Rock, if you remember that show. But you know the reality is is that management needs to understand the severity. They need to provide the uh, the, the bandwidth inside the firm and the investment necessary to um, kind of resolve this vulnerability. And, and if they don't have that understanding, they will do what business people do, which is focus on growth and profit. Right, right. Uh, um, I don't usually see see um, a, lot, a lot of uh, you know, IT or cyber headlines alerts on my phone, but I've seen so many just about Log4j. It's, it's, it's really uh, something else. And um, I think that speaks to just how, how critical this one is. Well, and, and, but, uh, but let's also be candid. This won't be the last, right? right? You know, we're getting better at finding these things. We're getting better at exploiting them. And yet we've got, what, 40 years, friendly, kind of, um, if we're being kind to ourselves, of, of technology development, which is pervasive, along with a lot of which still exists today. And, and so, you know, again, relying on heroics to get this one done rather than having a practice which kind of scales in the future and is sustainable is, is probably the critical learning for most IT organizations coming off the back of this. Right. Right. Uh, Ollie, uh, thanks very much. I uh, very much appreciate your time. My pleasure. And obviously, um, apologies again for being late, but let me know oh, if you no, have anything no, else. No. I know you're, uh, you're probably very busy right now. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's always fun um, trying to make a difference. Right. Very good. All right. Thanks very much, Ollie. I appreciate okay. it.
Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at mytechdecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWComo. Until next time. <laughs>